Chapter twenty seven of Kings, Queens, and Pawns An American Woman at the Front. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. Kings, Queens, and Pawns An American Woman at the Front by Mary Roberts Reinhardt chapter twenty seven a strange party the road to ham turned off the main highway south of air it was a narrow clay road in unspeakable condition the car wallowed along once we took a wrong turning and were obliged to go back and start again it was still raining indian horsemen beat their way stolidly along the road we passed through hamlets where cavalry horses in ruined stables were scantily protected where the familiar omnibuses of london were parked in what appeared to be hundreds the cocoa and other advertisements had been taken off and they had been hastily painted a yellowish gray here and there we met one on the road filled and overflowing with troops and looking curiously like the rubberneck wagons of new york aside from the transports and a few small indian ammunition carts with open bodies made of slats and drawn by two mules with an impassive turban driver calling strange words to his team there was no sign of war no bombarding disturbed the heavy atmosphere no aeroplanes were overhead there was no barbed wire no trenches only muddy sugar-beet fields on each side of the narrow road a few winter trees and the beat of the rain on the windows at last with an extra lurch the car drew up in the village of ham at a gate in a brick wall a scotch soldier in kilts carrying a rifle came forward our errand was explained and he went off to find makand singh a major in the lahore lancers and in charge of the post it was a curious picture that i surveyed through the open door of the car we were in the centre of the village and at the intersection of a crossroads was a tall cross with a life-size christ underneath the cross in varying attitudes of dampness and curiosity were a dozen indians mohammedans by faith some of them held horses which in spite of the rain they had been exercising one or two wore long capes to the knees with pointed hoods which fitted up over their great turbans bearded men with straight sensitive noses and oval faces even the absurdity of the cape and pointed hood failed to lessen their dignity they were tall erect soldierly looking and they gazed at me with the bland gravity of the east makand singh came hastily forward a splendid figure of a man six foot two or thereabout and appearing even taller by reason of his turban he spoke excellent english it is very muddy for a lady to alight he said and instructed one of the men to bring bags of sacking which were laid in the road you are seeing us under very unfavourable conditions he said as he helped me to alight but there is a fire if you are cold i was cold so makan singh led the way to his living quarters to go to them it was necessary to pass through a long shed which was now a stable for perhaps a dozen horses 
at a word of command the indian grooms threw themselves against the horses heads and pushed them back by stepping over the ground pegs to which they were tethered i got through the shed somehow and into a small yard makand singh turned to the right and throwing open the low door of a peasant's house stood aside to allow me to enter it is not very comfortable he explained but it is the best we have he was so tall that he was obliged to stoop as he entered the doorway within was an ordinary peasant's kitchen but cleaner than the average in spite of the weather the floorboards were freshly scrubbed the hearth was swept and by the stove lay a sleek tortoise-shell cat there was a wooden dresser a chimney-shelf with rows of plates standing on it and in a doorway just beyond an elderly peasant woman watching us curiously perhaps said makan singh you will have coffee i was glad to accept and the young officer who had followed accepted also we sat down while the kettle was placed on the stove and the fire replenished i glanced at the indian major's tall figure even sitting he was majestic when he took the cape off he was discovered clothed in the khaki uniform of his rank in the british army except for the olive colour of his skin his turban and the fact that his beard the soft beard of one who has never shaved was drawn up into a black net so that it formed a perfect crescent around the angle of his jaw he might have been a gallant and interested english officer for the situation assuredly interested him his eyes were alert and keen when he smiled he showed rows of beautiful teeth small and white and although his face in repose was grave he smiled often he superintended the making of the coffee by the peasant woman and instructed her to prepare the table she obeyed pleasantly indeed it was odd to see that between this elderly frenchwoman and her strange guests people of whose existence on the earth i dare say she had never heard until this war there was the utmost good will perhaps the indians are neater than other troops certainly personal cleanliness is a part of their religion anyhow whatever the reason i saw no evidence of sulkiness toward the indians although i have seen surly glances directed toward many of the billeted troops of other nationalities conversation was rather difficult we had no common ground to meet on and the ordinary currency of polite society seemed inadequate out of place the weather must be terrible after india i ventured we do not mind the cold we come from the north of india where it is often cold but the mud is bad we cannot use our horses you are a cavalry regiment i ask out of my abysmal ignorance we are lancers yes and horses are not useful in this sort of fighting from a room beyond there was a movement followed by the entrance of a young frenchman in a british uniform makan singh presented him and he joined the circle that waited for coffee the newcomer presented an enigma a frenchman in a british uniform quartered with the indian troops it developed that he was a pupil from the sorbonne in paris and was an interpreter everywhere afterward i found these interpreters with the british army frenchmen 
who for various reasons are disqualified from entering the french army in active service and who are anxious to do what they can they wear the british uniform with the exception that instead of the stiff crown of the british cap theirs is soft they are attached to every battalion for tommy atkins is in a strange land these days a land that knows no more english than he knows french true he carries little books of french and english which tell him how to say porter get my luggage and take it to a cab or please bring me a laundry list or give my kind regards to your parents imagine him trying to find the french for look out they're coming to call to a french neighbor in the inevitable mix-up of the line during a melee and finding only these trousers do not fit well or i would like an ice and then a small piece of cheese it was a curious group that sat in a semicircle around that peasant woman's stove waiting for the kettle to boil the tall indian major with his aristocratic face and long quiet hands the young english officer in his headquarters staff uniform the french interpreter and i just inside the door the major's indian servant tall impassive and turbaned stood with folded arms looking over our heads and at the table the placid-faced peasant woman cut slices of yellow bread made with eggs and milk and poured our coffee it was very good coffee served black the woman brought a small decanter and placed it near me it is rum said the major and very good in coffee i declined the rum the interpreter took a little the major shook his head although they say that a sikh never refuses rum he said smiling coffee over we walked about the village hardly a village a cluster of houses along unpaved lanes which were almost impassable there were tumbling stables full of horses groups of indians standing under dripping eaves for shelter sentries here and there a peasant the houses were replicas of the one where makand singh had his quarters although it was still raining a dozen indian lancers were exercising their horses they dismounted and stood back to let us pass behind them as they stood was the great cross that was the final picture i had of the village of ham and the second lahore lancers the turban indians with their dripping horses the grave bow of makan singh as he closed the door of the car and behind him a scotch corporal in kilt and cap with a cigarette tucked behind his ear we went on i looked back makan singh was making his careful way through the mud the horses were being led to a stable the cross stood alone End of chapter 27